Hello and welcome to Sharp HR Career Corner with Karen Sharp Price. This podcast will inform and inspire you in your quest to find the right career path. If you're just starting out, looking to make a change in your field or transitioning into a new career, then this podcast is for you. We'll be sharing tips and providing resources on topics such as writing resumes, interviewing, using LinkedIn, and networking. We will take a look at different careers, companies, and opportunities. You will hear success stories from professionals in all career paths, and so much more. You will leave this podcast with three key takeaways that you can easily put into practice. Enjoy! Hi, everyone, and welcome to Sharp HR Career Corner. I'm Karen Sharp Price. For the last year and a half, I've talked with career professionals about how they got started in their careers. Today, we're going to talk to Megan McNally about her story, where she works, and what kinds of opportunities are available. Hi, Megan. Hi, Karen. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on and, and talking. You have like a great story to talk about, so I really want to like just dive in because I, I know I'm going to have a lot of questions for you. So let's start back where you started. Where did you go to school and what degree were you going for? So I went to Barnard College. It's an all-girls college associated next to Columbia University okay. in New York City. And I was going for environmental science and policy. Wow. So what were you thinking when you started going <laughs> through that? What, what were you thinking about doing with that afterwards? It's funny. I think um, most people who uh, go to college and then they end up not necessarily doing the thing that they're going to college for. Yep. I think uh, I was just pursuing stuff that I was interested in at the time. Um, obviously, climate change being very much on the forefront these days, but back when I went to school. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, it wasn't as much of a, of a well-known topic, um, even though it still was in the news. So I just was really interested in learning about that. And upon learning, I didn't necessarily think about like, oh, where am I going to end up in school or uh, in a career? Uh-huh. But once I started thinking about it, I was like, wow, everybody, everybody I know who exits this program is like pretty much in working for government or working for a NGO in another country, like studying, you know, the effects of the environment and like pollution and whatever from like large corporations or other things like that, mm-hmm. or they're a scientist. Taking a look at my own personal skill set. I had I had a, a like moment of truth where I was like, uh, <laughs> I don't know if any of these align to like my skill set and or interest. I'm I'm really good at meeting with people and chatting up people and you know doing other sorts of things. So it wasn't. I was like, I don't know if I can sit behind a desk and do research forever. So. Yeah. So you have this degree and you're thinking, I don't look like the other people that are doing this. What, like, so what did you do? How, where, yeah. where did you go from that moment? Well, so I think the best advice I can give is really like follow the coincidences of the moment. So I landed this program called Centennial Scholars. It was an independent study program at the college that allowed me to pursue something of interest. And so I actually, the previous year, so this is like my sophomore, junior year, maybe, I interned for a nonprofit in Buffalo. So I'm from Buffalo. And I interned uh, with a nonprofit who was sort of aligned in that they were taking 
demolishing buildings, but they were deconstructing it and reusing um, the materials and reselling it. But one of their primary missions was really trying to employ people from the direct community in these jobs because it's a, a lot of high labor, not a ton of skill requirement to get you started. Although, you know, you would develop that over time. Yeah. Um, and so I really saw it as sort of like a all encompassing solution to uh, some of the challenges that we face, not only in climate change um, and reusing material, but also a lot of the employment challenges, uh, particularly for low income populations. Mm-hmm. So I ended up there and I was interning with them. I started uh, working on some community gardens with them, which was a great opportunity to just talk to neighbors about some of their struggles and challenges. And what was voiced was really around the housing stock in Buffalo. So if you ever, you know, been around Buffalo, particularly on the east side, which is where it was located, there's a lot of old housing stock that costs a lot of money to renovate. And people are left in homes not knowing how much to spend on things, not knowing, you know, if they're getting screwed over by a contractor, they have a limited source of funds. So, you know, you want to be efficient in how you're renovating your building. And so a lot of the concerns from the community that I was talking to is really about like, you know, we want to stay in our houses, but we don't necessarily have a ton of money to rehab them. They do need a lot of work. What can we do about it? So I brainstormed with them that we would use my independent study program. So we got uh, $4,000. I said, well, I know that the foreclosure auction happens every year. What if we just like bought a house and uh, made it into a learning lab? And so, you know, working with the other nonprofit at the time, we were like, this is a great idea. Let's go through with it. So I bought a house. I always joke that my college bought me a house. (laughs) Um, to provide this learning lab. And I just organized a bunch of skilled professionals to come in and do all sorts of workshops. And so instead of me going down a trajectory where I was like, you know, headed to the policy work and whatever, I was sort of more in the thick of it, learning about, you know, material reuse and sort of how to organize around certain things. So I, we offered 35 free workshops within like the, year that I did the study Um, and just then also like personally had a like you know I had to finish out my senior year but I was already like why am I doing this I should be in construction (laughs) I'm so into working with my hands and all this sort of stuff so I once I graduated college I ended up trying to pursue that more often Um, and so I I traveled around the country learning about alternative building methods so you know still aligned with um, environmental policy and science just um, the construction industry alone just wastes so much material it's really quite terrible Um, so working with companies who are sort of more eco-conscious, how do we reuse our materials? How do we use natural materials to build stuff? I um, was working on just building um, something called an earth ship, um, which is out in uh, Taos, New Mexico. Then like travel around uh, learning about straw bale building and adobe building and timber framing and all sorts of stuff that isn't normal construction. Wow. Um, so both feed my interest in, in the environment, but also, you know, just to gain skills. And then I worked with a woodworker in Vermont who taught me all sorts of stuff. And then I had the like brilliant idea that I didn't think about too much at the time, but I was like, oh, other people start their own businesses. I'm going to start my business in woodworking. So I 
came back to Buffalo and I actually moved into the house that I had bought in the foreclosure auction. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then I started my own woodworking company. So you really own, you owned the house, not any of the non-for-profit that you were working no, with no. at the time. It was yours. So when you, when you, when you were still in school though, were they still doing the program within that, through that house? Yeah, so I would actually travel home on weekends and do all sorts of <laughs> crazy. I have never traveled before between New York and Buffalo so often. But yeah, I was working with the the nonprofit at the time was Buffalo Reuse. And the idea in the long term was really to transition that into ownership with the nonprofit. But unfortunately, that nonprofit had a lot of challenges that it went through and it sort of it still exists, but it's nowhere near the form that it was. And there's a lot of leadership changes and everything. So I, I essentially just ended up, it hadn't happened yet in terms of the transition of the ownership. So oh. I just ended up having a house. Keeping it. <laughs> wow. So you, you graduate, you get to travel the country. Like this is like the perfect scenario of any college student. So like, how do you find these places around the country that you go to? Like, how do you, how do you just... Yeah. Um, so at the time, I don't think I really realized the skill set that I had, but I think that from the very start, it was really entrepreneurial of me, I guess. Yeah. In um, just seeking out all sorts of, you know, Google was a thing um, and wow. still is a thing. So I just started Googling and researching um, all different companies and organizations doing this type of stuff. I also utilized uh, at the time because I had been working within this nonprofit, I just saw a lot of the challenges of, you know, capacity building and whatever. And so I was like, huh, I'm interested. There's got to be all sorts of inspiring other nonprofits around the country doing really cool stuff. So on my drive around the country, you know, I did a full Buffalo down to the South, all the way out to the West coast, all the way up to, you know, the Seattle area and then back East on my route. I just interviewed I'm, I think about 30 different organizations. Oh my um, gosh. And they were all really open to it. Yeah. And just like, you know, took them for coffee or met them at their location and like picked their brain about like what makes them pick and why they were excited. And so I got really a broad view of like the field and understood sort of like different people's motivations and like how they're working with government or how they're working with um, other nonprofits or different neighborhoods or, you yes. know, whatever. What time frame did you do that? Did you travel across and up and over and around? Year? Oh, a year. Oh my God. I don't know. No, not a year. Let's see. I graduated and then I needed to be somewhere in October. So May through October. Wow. So that's a great story for college students. Like, they don't have and to take a And you can do it on the cheap. Yeah. You can do it on the cheap. It's well, beautiful. <laughs> and, and, you know, like, so I teach at Damon and... Um, and my one big thing is, you know, talk to people, do informational interviews, get to talk to people who are actually doing the job and to see if this is something that you would really want to do and learn more about it and all that. And you just took that and like really made that really apparent. <laughs> so that was like, yeah. I can use this little excerpt in my awesome. in my class, in my course, because I think that's so beneficial. Like you, you must, you probably learn more in those six months than mm -hmm. you did in, you know, I don't want to say this to your parents, but into college because, because it was real life and you were talking to people who were really doing it. So then you brought all right. that information back to Buffalo 
and then what what you started your own woodworking now yeah prior to woodworking did you have any skill set in woodworking yeah so i traveled the country for six months i landed in vermont um (laughs) after that so i stayed there 10 months almost a year okay learning woodworking and general carpentry straw bell building all sorts of stuff working with um yestermorrow design and build school which is a really well-known school up there um And then on the side was working with this woodworker who would make custom cabinetry for people down in New York City that he would just like find and then he would just like truck it all down and install it and make really good money. So he taught me a lot and I was like, well, it can't be that hard starting a business. (laughs) Which is actually not true at all. To be young. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, right. I have something later for the advice column okay. <laughs> in that, um, which might be the opposite advice of what most people might give. But um, so anyway, I jumped into it and uh, landed back in Buffalo. Just that's where my family's from. And I felt like, you know, if you're starting a business, you need to already have existing connections. It's the easiest way to land there. And right. you know, I'm a Buffalonian at heart. I went to New York City and it was great for school and really fun. And it's a city of, I don't know, 10 plus million people and you're oddly alone. It's like this really, and it's really hard to affect change there because Mm. there's just, you know, so many people doing so many things and versus, you know, landing in Buffalo, I have two degrees of separation. I can figure out the person I need to call when something needs to get changed. And, you know, you can affect change on much higher level than you can working in the trenches in New York City. Yes. So (laughs) my, you know, sort of reasoning of why I would return. So did you, prior to even college and high school and middle school, did you have interest, like, in building things and creating things? Nothing. You just... Wow, you're a um, fast learner. <laughs> I think that, so, you know, my grandfather was, uh, you know, a woodworker, tinkerer kind of guy. Uh-huh. Um, but I never actually ever really connected with him on that. He was very traditional, like, girls don't necessarily do this. <laughs> and I just was always sort of the academic student of, like, I, you know, was succeeding in doing things and I, you know, school was relatively easy for me. And so I was really like kind of a brainiac book person and never thought that this was for me. And primarily I think because just society has pigeonholed different groups of people into thinking certain ways. And Mm -hmm. so it's more just not an option on the table. Yeah. Um, Like I remember uh, being in school and you know, when the option for woodwork, woodworking or shop class or things came up, they're like, yeah, you could take this or you could take this AP thing that will really elevate you. And you're like, okay, I guess I'll take this AP thing. Even though like ultimately finding your happiness is about the things that make you happy rather than like yeah. you know, outperforming people or like, you know, trying to compete against each other to what end is. Yep. So, you know, the way that we talk about it and, you know, we do a lot of um, career searching stuff here at the Foundry is really about like, find your inner joy. Like what, what makes you get up in the morning and like, you're going to be working at this thing that you're doing for quite a long time. Yeah. I hope that you like elements of what you do. Well, so, so I have a small story for you and 
you it'll all connect in a minute but so my son he's 15 about three years ago he came to my husband and I and said I really like blacksmithing now I'm a career coach so that's that's what my business is and so my son comes to me about blacksmithing I'm thinking do they still have blacksmithing (laughs) like I don't know if that still exists so I went on LinkedIn and I posted and I said look it I've got a son who's interested I, this is my job. I got to figure out what's out there. So somebody posted that there was like 10 colleges in the United States that has a degree in blacksmithing. So I'm like, oh my gosh, you got to be kidding me. So I dug a little deeper and I found somebody in Buffalo, Andrew Chambers, who has a business and it's Arc Iron Creations, and he's a blacksmith. So I contacted him through LinkedIn and he said, oh, bring your son over and I'll show him my shop. So we did while my son was, you know, like in heaven. So he suggested, so then, so then Andrew talked about, you know, where to get steel and, and um, talked about the school in Rochester that actually teaches blacksmithing classes. So we contacted them. He had to go in for an interview because at that point he was only like 13, 14. Um, right. He had to be mature enough to take this class. So he had a, an interview with the executive director. He passed it with flying colors. I'm sitting there behind him. You know, this is what I do is I prep people for interviews. And my son is just taking over. He's talking the lingo. He's asking questions. He's answering. Like, I was just so impressed with my son. So so then, and, you know, just a pat on my, my motherly back. So then, um, he, so then he starts taking classes. Then COVID hits. But he took, he got one class in, he got a private class with her, then he um, went back and he took another class, and then COVID hit, and um, my husband and he has has built, um, you know, all the things that he needs so he can do some of the blacksmithing here. Now he's kind of zeroing in on, on bladesmithing, because he really wants to make knives, so he's been making a couple knives. But on Facebook, I saw the foundry, and... I'm like, oh, this is interesting, and this is for, you know, kids. So then I saw you had an um, ad for an open house. So I'm like, okay, yep. we got to go. So we went, and you actually gave us the tour. So, I okay, so <laughs> So, you know, because I'm, I'm trying to expose him to whatever's out there. I don't want to direct him, but I want to expose him to mm-hmm. all the possibilities because he keeps saying to me, you know, I, I do believe that a college education is important, but I've been going down the road. I think that you should go into business and, and get an entrepreneurial background so that you could start your own business and blacksmithing, bladesmithing, whatever, but to know how to do that, how to run your own business. Yeah. He's now, you know, thinking maybe mechanical engineering. So I've talked to a friend of mine whose son just graduated from UB in mechanical engineering just to have a conversation. What are my classes sure. like? What you know, is it going to be hands-on kind of stuff? So that's why I found the foundry was so interesting because Buffalo doesn't have a lot of those opportunities. I mean, we have to go to Rochester for him to take a blacksmithing class. So can you talk to us about the foundry? First of all, how, how did it get founded? <laughs> like, yeah. where, so you were, you had your own business in woodworking. Yeah. Then what happens after that? <laughs> So I had my woodworking business was located in the foundry. Um, It wasn't the foundry at the time. It was just a warehouse and a couple other businesses alongside me were, you know, starting. And, you know, I think that 
there aren't, you're right, there aren't that many resources um, out there for people sort of in the maker creative world, um, small batch manufacturing world to yeah. be supported and figuring out like, how do I make this a legitimate thing that like earns money for myself and like can grow beyond just like a single, you know, owner kind of thing. Uh, we just put the call out to see if there are other individual businesses who are operating out of their basement or their wherever to see if people wanted to move into a collective space where they could be supported. Um, I think primarily, you know, my motivation really as a woman in woodworking, I felt particularly that people from underrepresented groups really needed to be supported even more. We, I mean, we encourage everyone to get involved somehow, but when we talk about business tenants that are on site, we really try to prioritize folks from the neighborhood, women and people of color, anyone who may be in a category that they wouldn't traditionally be like the business owner or, you know, whatever. So, but anyway, so we uh, started doing that and, you know, it's really a lot about collective learning. It's pretty organic. So, you know, people who need support in business accounting, we can teach a class on that. We have our network, our network is very vast. And so we have people who are willing to volunteer for all sorts of stuff. And so it's really just based on the needs of individual people. Um, We have about 30 different businesses currently, all in really in the maker focused realm. And then my second degree was supposed to be in education. (laughs) And I walked away from that one. I only have my environmental science and policy degree. Um, And that was primarily because I just couldn't align with the existing system, the existing education system. And so I've always sort of known that I would be on the more alternative alternative side of education. <laughs> Although we do have uh, several in-school programs. So we work with the Buffalo Public Schools. Kids do get credit. So, you know, it's aligned to all New York State standards and things like that. But it's really just trying to get kids out of the classroom and into learning things that and subjects that may not seem relevant, but providing some relevancy through making the foundry started to help those who already have small businesses to come in, but it's not professional businesses. It's making things. It's whatever their, their gig is. Um, so that's how it, how the foundry started. But then you also then opened up this second side of it for kids. Is that, am I, am I right? Okay. So talk to us about that. Yeah. I think that that, aligns very much like the choice to do a lot of exploration, career exploration, things like that really aligns with my own personal experience around like, I just needed to try a bunch of things and then, you know, people land where they land. And I think that that's an important thing is again, finding your joy. And, uh, you know, if we can help one student decide, no, I hate making, that's a win. And if we can, you know, also bring in other folks who go, yeah, this is what I want to do with my life. Like, I didn't even know this was an opportunity that exists. Like, that's, you know, just really about starting a pathway. And so that's really what we do. And I think we also, you know, on the maker slash business side, I went through a process where I was starting my own woodworking process or woodworking business. And I said, wow, this is really expensive. (laughs) I have to get all these tools. Where am I going to get it from? And, you know, begged, begged and borrowed from family members, whatever, to get enough capital to purchase equipment. 
And we just want to eliminate those barriers. Like why spend $10,000 on equipment, 20,000, 50,000, whatever on equipment when you can come in and use our equipment, do a proof of concept, figure out what you're doing, try it out. And then you can justify like, yeah, I'm making this product and now I need this upgrade and tool and, you know, get the process started, but yeah. you, know, you got to start somewhere. And why do you want to leverage your house or whatever you need to do to get started? So, you know, if we can serve for a resource for anyone in that way, that's what we're really interested in. And, you know, just keeping it low cost barrier to entry. So um, most of our, all of our youth programs are free. And then it's a donation-based access for the shops. So like if you're just trying to figure out what you're doing, but you're not committed to running a business yet, you can just come in and for a donation, you can come in and use our shop on Mondays and Saturdays. And then if you're a tenant, you can, you know, you pay a rent, but you have your own space. And then you can also access all of our shops as part of that rental fee. Okay. So um, the, the students, is this open just to the city of Buffalo students or is this open to yeah, everybody? Um, it depends on the program that we're running. Some of them are more open. It just depends on the restrictions of the grants that we receive. Oh, so okay. some of them are like, so we have a youth entrepreneurship program. That's a pretty flexible enrollment where it's 10th and 11th graders and they come twice a week where they come and learn about entrepreneurship. Oh. Um, so actually, yeah, I, I'm jotting that um, down right now. <laughs> it is, it is um, you know, to not to um, get his excitement up too much. Yeah. It's, you know, I think that previously students had come in thinking that they had complete access to the maker spaces and they could dream up any idea. So, you know, he's not going to be in the metal shop fabricating things, but yeah. we go through a process where we just like make a quick item. So we do it on our laser cutters and our, Cricut, which is like a vinyl cutter. It's easier. It's, you know, smaller, um, but you can make a billion things on it and utilize that as the tool that you're making with. And then we, you know, list it on e-commerce. We learn about the process of like taking nice photos of your stuff. How do you use social media to market it? How do you understand your cost of goods? You know, we do all sorts of stuff like that and a breakdown. And then the students get paid based on sales of whatever they make. It's so, a very simple, but very incredible idea like to yeah. actually let you know it's not about just a classroom where they learn about marketing it's it's they're actually doing it and I think that that has more impact on on a student because totally. they want to try it you know they want to see what it's like and all that so yeah and I get it's again it's relevancy right like yeah I could teach about it but then if you're actually implementing it based on the thing that you're making you you learn it in a different way so yeah, we have um, open enrollment stuff. We also do stuff that's specifically for different programs. So we work, work with Futures Academy, which is down the street from us. We work with Health Sciences Charter School, which is just a walk away from us as well. So those are like kind of closed enrollment for those students. Okay. We do a teaching a TA program for STEAM. So we have high school women, young women, learning about engineering and technology and all sorts of stuff. And they then teach younger kids. So they teach our seventh graders. So that's a paid program. They actually get paid like a after school program. So how did you become the executive director then? (laughs) 
how did that work? Because there's got to be a story behind that one. We got a bunch of makers <laughs> together who don't aren't necessarily the most organized of people. And I was like, well, uh, someone's got to organize it. So <laughs> I think also at the time, I, I actually sustained a, a hand injury from woodworking. And so it was like, I had six weeks of in a cast and six weeks of recovery plus, you know, whatever extended time of recovery. And I was like, I can't do my job. You know, I can't do my business right now. So what am I going to be doing? And so it sort of helped me transition into this role. Wow. Um, which I think suits me better. I think, you know, when you go back in, in terms of looking at your career, like the things that you like to do, do you get satisfaction about like, producing items like you know for woodworking it was great like I, I really do like making and um, woodworking mm -hmm. but ultimately I saw a bigger vision of like helping other people learn how to do this for themselves and really like do I want to affect change by employing a handful of people in my woodworking business or do I want to affect change by helping 30 different businesses employ people right and you know help people who are younger navigate and learn that yes this is something that they want to get into as a career so you know it's just the bigger picture vision of you know i'm a big picture person so how does one get involved if if someone is sitting home listening to this they've had a little bit of a business on the side but they'd like the you know, the ability to socialize and learn from others and get involved. H how did they see if there's availability to join your group? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, for an adult maker who's in into business stuff or getting into it, we have an application process. Okay. So it's all online. And they um, right now there's a handful, like we have a waiting list of a couple of people, but the turnover is just depends. Sometimes okay. it's really fast. Sometimes it's couple months or whatever but okay but yeah so they would just apply online and then it's more of a conversation are you ready for this do you need to go back and meet with a met you know business mentor and really think about your plan a little bit more is it just not a great fit so we we do spend time really thinking about the culture of the place and making yeah. sure that there's alignment and also making sure that there's like not 17 of the same business um, <laughs> that are competing against each other. So, you know, but we encourage people to just get involved and, and apply. We also, you know, a lot of people float through by being supervisors in the shop so they can come in and like use our shop, but also make sure that people stay safe. Um, mm -hmm. So we have volunteer opportunities like that. So even if you're operating your business somewhere else, you can also just come in once a month or however often you want okay to impart knowledge but also it's like you get a lot of resources you get a lot of connections you meet a lot of different people um sometimes honestly the foundry gets inquiries all the time we pass along a lot of references hmm. of like hey there's a person looking for a woodworking job like can i forward that to you okay like they want to hire you to fix their window or wow. you know whatever it is so right, right. yeah now, there's all sorts of how do students find out about some of the programs that you have for them? Um, if you could tell me a good recruitment method, that would be great. <laughs> um, a lot of it's word of mouth. What we hear from, so we did a bunch of youth listening sessions recently, and a lot of them said that they sign up for programs when they have a good mentor in their life mm -hmm. and the mentor tells them to. Uh -huh. So we're actually trying to look for adults who 
have younger people in their lives um, that they, you know, know and could refer. But I mean, we do a lot of Facebook, we do a lot of um, Instagram ads. We try to email out to a lot of the area schools just to like any teacher who knows a kid sort of thing. And, and, you know, Um, the, the, um, sort of the, the sad part is in the high schools, it's really geared more towards doing those AP classes and, and going on to college. And there are always going to be a handful of kids that that doesn't fit. And yeah. there aren't a lot of opportunities because if you do take that route, then you, your whole schedule in a day is messed up. You have to be you know, sent somewhere else and come back and you might miss a class that you really need. And so it's made more difficult for a student who really has that interest and that passion because I've got one yeah. in my home. <laughs> and so, and, and so you, you wish that there was more of a balance. And so what we found is that you know, he, he does the regular route of school, but then on the side, we do as many things as we can to, to foster that interest and that, that passion that he has. And maybe it'll turn out to be a side gig or maybe it'll turn out to be his main gig. We, you know, we don't know. Uh, hey, you can tell him. Um, so my dad's college roommate, I think. I don't know. I think it was his college roommate. He, um, he went, he was into blacksmithing and he ended up um, becoming the Olympic equestrian blacksmither. Wow. And so he would get phone calls from across the world that they would need his services. And so he was doing like, he would be flown out to places. Wow. Yeah. That would would be amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Definitely a gig there. Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, I, we've talked to blacksmith and bladesmith who will open their shop for a month take all the orders and then shut down and spend the rest of the year making that stuff. So there is a a need and there is a call for it. And just like everything else in trade, there's more of a need now than ever before because, you know, they don't have anybody to pass the torch to. And so it's, it's not a bad time. So I I would say the other piece of advice for that too is, um, I mean, anyone getting into careers and stuff is like looking at buying out businesses that are, retiring like there are so many That's of them a that are great idea functional businesses that are you know have a name and they have a reputation and then you know if you are the kind of person that are in a position to want to do that sort of stuff why not inherit all their contacts and their absolutely and maybe you know? their their equipment too <laughs> <laughs> what are they going to do with it for you right like yeah. that's the other thing oftentimes they'll stick around for a year and yeah that's that's amazing them. so you probably then would take donations of of equipment yeah. for for people that <laughs> well we actually have we actually have something that we um I've got the name of your guy who Russ is it who oh, yeah. who would come and and pick it up so we I have him on my desk right now oh. that I <laughs> because yeah, we have so equipment we, we do take all sorts of equipment um and I think it's it's sometimes outside the range of what people think that we do so yes we do woodworking yes we do metalworking we also do a fair amount of digital fabrication. So like laser cutting and what that means is using lasers, CNC routers, all sorts of computerized equipment that you would, you know, type in something and the computer would cut it or print it. So oftentimes we need stuff that's basic, like a laptop that's in decent shape or, you know, other things like that. I think also 
I mean, we do like soldering. So like soldering irons, like all sorts of random like electronics and components and probably um, wood. So trees that are coming down and need to be. So we have property and um, my husband was cutting down a whole bunch bunch of trees and he then bought a mill. And so he's been milling it. Um, but, but we, but there are times when we have just too much, like we, we don't have enough people that can burn all this wood. (laughs) So so, yeah, I've, I've got you on my list for lots of different things. (laughs) So what three pieces of pieces of advice would you give a student right now who, you know, is, is going through the whole high school thing and they, they will finish up, but they love to build, they love to fix, they love to make things. What, what kind of advice would you give them to figure out what they should do with their life? I mean, I think going back to the story that I was telling, I didn't even know that I liked to make things because I didn't get that opportunity. So I wouldn't even restrict it necessarily to students who already know that. I would say, you know, as much as possible, try out everything. Like anything that lands on your desk is an opportunity. If you can fit it in, like just try it because you can check it off your list if you hate it or you like it. So that, that's one thing I would advocate for. The other thing that so, sort of goes contrary to what some adults might recommend is don't think about it too much <laughs> um, before you jump in. So the perfect example, like, you know, I sort of was like, yeah, I could do woodworking. This is awesome. And had I really thought about it and made a plan, I would never have done that. Like, that was crazy. And so, you know, the best kind of crazy, right? So like I was in the middle of it going like, oh my God, now I have no idea how to run this business. Like, what am I doing? Did I make the wrong move? Whatever. But now, you know, I found my way and now I run the foundry and that opportunity wouldn't have presented itself had I not gone down a road that I didn't think too hard about. Yeah, yeah. And so like the risk taking there, you know, things work themselves out, I think is really the key to that. And and so just like, don't think too hard, obviously don't put yourself in danger, but <laughs> um, don't think too hard about some of these decisions because I mean, especially nowadays you can really do an about face and right. career change on the spot. So, you know, there's not too much of a, like I have to end up 40 years from now doing the same thing. So that's an encouraging Thing. And then I'll just go back to the one thing that I mentioned before is find your joy. Yeah. And that's really critical because you're spending 40 hours a week somewhere. You better like it at some level. And that doesn't mean, you know, I think that doesn't also mean that you're having joy all the time doing the thing that you're doing. Like, you know, there's many parts of my job that I'm not into. <laughs> But ultimately, I have a extreme sense of satisfaction because I know the reasons why I got into this. I know what makes me feel good about the reasons, mm-hmm. you know, why I'm doing what I'm doing. And so, you know, because I was able to find that, I can weather some of the other parts of my job. That and I don't everybody, like. you know, I don't think you could find anybody that loves their job 100%. No. But, but it's got to be more that you love than you hate. <laughs> Otherwise, totally. call me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, otherwise, I mean. just leave your job. There's plenty of people hiring. That's right. That's right. And there are. There are. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, so thank you so much for, for taking the time today to be on. I think that you have a very unique interesting story that a lot of people 
they need to hear, like they really do need to hear this because it's not, again, it's not A to Z and you, you go straight line. It's zigzagging. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it's, it's funny that you say that because my, so my dad's a pediatrician, doctor, very, very standard way in which you become a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. So there's like a full beaten path. And, you know, I think when I was in the middle of this and I hadn't quite found my groove, uh-huh. he said something that like, you know, in retrospect now I'm like, Oh, this is fine now. But at the time he was like, I wish, I wish it was as easy for you. Like I wish your path was as easy mm-hmm. because mine was just laid out before me. And it was like the step-by-step thing. Yeah. But I would never have thrived there, you know? So like, <laughs> so knowing myself, the unbeaten path is the one that I'm going to take. And so, you know, you just got to know that for yourself and be solid in it and feel okay. Like, yeah, this is like, total roller coaster but like i got so many more different experiences from it that i can talk about that like everything worked out well and and all those conversations that you had with all those people across the country really help you right now with with everything that you're doing on a daily basis so yeah and it comes back later on in life you're like oh yeah i did this thing way long ago but now you're using it yeah yeah in ways that you didn't even think that were relevant and, and I think it's very true. It, it, you have to create your own path. And I think that now more than ever, I mean, when your father went to school, I'm assuming that there wasn't a lot of this happening with other people. People weren't just taking their own path. Right. But now it's more common that you would do this and you would yeah. try to find your way. You can create any career that you really want. Anything. Anything. And, and I'm constantly surprised what people make money on. Oh, yes. Yes. And, and careers that don't even exist right now, you can create it if you want it. Like, you got to have that love and that passion for it. But really, there's nothing stopping you except yourself and in the fear of what ifs. But mm-hmm. if you can get past those, then you can do pretty much anything you want. So, and you are the prime example. Like, you are a, a great example of that story. So. <laughs> So thank- it, it isn't easy. That is the, you know, it no, is but work, it's fun, right? Yeah. But you wouldn't be in it if you didn't care about it. No, so. and, and I think that you show that you really enjoy many pieces of what you're doing. And, and you know, and you're helping so many different people. You're, you know, you're helping students, but you're also helping all those people that were sitting in their basements working on their own and not having any kind of interaction with other people. Well, I'm also fi- helping people by finding locations for their tree trunks. <laughs> there you yeah. go. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Re- reuse. That's that's the key is reuse. Well, so thank you again. Thank you for your time. I really do appreciate it. And and thank you, everyone, for listening to Sharp HR Career Corner. If you're trying to figure out what you want to do with your life, but you have no idea where to to begin, contact Sharp Human Resources. We'd love to help you out. We can get you on the path of discovery, and then soon you will feel that you have a career direction. Go to sharphumanresources-buffalo.com for more information. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, please, I encourage you to uh, download the podcast, leave a comment and share with others you know. The more downloads, comments and likes we get, the better our ratings and the easier we can be found. So thank you in advance. Until next time, be kind everyone. We need to show a lot more kindness in the world and it starts with you and I. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.